So before we go into this episode, I'd like to start by paying tribute to Doreen Mantle, who sadly passed away on August the 9th, 2023. She played the well-meaning but tactless Mrs. Warboys in One Foot in the Grave, and any fan of the show would agree, it just wouldn't have been the same without her. She had so many great lines and plots, from being given boiled alligator eggs for breakfast, to being kidnapped in a sack and humped by a dog. Doreen's character would live on forever in One Foot in the Grave, and continues to make fans old and you laugh out loud for many many years to come i'm sure now if you excuse me i'm just getting some of the filth out of these cupboards enjoy this week's episode guys it's pretty spoilerific hello listeners once again i hope you're enjoying the british empire podcast as we've completely finished now series one of the show which has been fantastic it's gone so fast but today we've got a special guest we've got louise little with me and john and we're going to be chatting about the british empire in general louise is a huge super fan of the british empire and she also runs the british empire fan page on instagram which i highly recommend you check out hello guys hello hey <laughs> how you doing louise Pretty decent enough. Excellent. Oh yeah, excellent. <laughs> Had to get one in. Had to get one in. Oh yeah. Good, that was a good, good um, entry point there, there, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always looking for a place to get an excellent in of Britis. How are you, John? Today? Yeah, really well, thank you. Been looking forward to this. And Louisa, just to sort of start off saying, just thank you very much because, of course, you've been promoting the podcast. You've got your fan page. And is it a thousand? How many followers I noticed on Twitter is about a thousand one hundred something odd, isn't it? It's, a, it's about two one thousand two hundred and eighty-seven. To my understanding, let me check. Uh, one thousand two hundred eighty-seven at the minute. Fantastic. So that actually makes me the biggest Twitter account solely dedicated to the show because there was another one that's been one since two thousand eleven, but that's only one thousand one hundred mark, and it hasn't updated since twenty nineteen anyway. Perfect. So you're you're the go-to for any British Empire fan content. So thank you again for just promoting us and being so supportive and i think best way to start this is just how did you discover british empire and what do you, do you love about it ah uh, well it was actually around 2020 and the whole virus year and at one point i came across red dwarf through netflix and i fell in love with that Somewhere around there, I discovered that Chris Barry, who I had a cross on, starred in another <laughs> sitcom called The British Empire. So it was around July and August that I decided to give the show a go. Uh, there it wouldn't be a couple of months before I ordered the DVDs in, so I watched it on YouTube and other streaming uh, video sharing stuff. And by Series 3, I was hooked. And I think by series five and the last day that episode, uh, I knew that I had a strong interest in it. It was an interest solidified when I came across an old website called the, uh, it was a forum called British Empire Talk, but it has not been in years. And it was saying that that made me realize that uh, there wasn't actually that much content on British Online, and I wanted to share stuff on it. Though it wouldn't be until for a couple of other years until I would get the confidence to do that. I must admit, I do love your British Empire fan page on Instagram. It's the, the content is brilliant. You've got so many articles, and the the way you found all these different articles and TV guide 
um, snippets. I'm thinking, oh, this is fantastic. It's just, it's like my favorite Instagram page, yours. <laughs> oh, thank you. Now, there's a good, interesting story behind that. I actually started off as my regular Twitter account in mid-2021, but I didn't really start using it till early 2022. And I kept using like that till like September when I realized that most of this content I was posting was actually British related. And so I figured, what the heck, I'm going to just turn it into a fan account since I wasn't really interested in posting anything else. So uh, basically that's his origin story. And a couple of months later, uh, another of the uh, big pages out there, the Chris Barry fan, Chris Barry fans or C Barry fans, uh, they suggested uh, maybe gain up an Instagram page. So that's what I did. And here we are. I love the post you put up about the point of view clip from the second episode when the lady talks about Carol and the baby and the, um, oh, the side and jaws. What was really interesting about that was the the letter from the lady saying, you know, you can tell a, a men wrote the show because they were sort of making sort of a humorous side of, of showing um, Carol's postnatal depression. And yet it's interesting because you you pointed out, Chris, that actually I think it's something that you would expect to see on Twitter or online today, but it just goes to show that the opinions have always been there. It's just a different avenue. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting because I always I always just presumed that in the 90s when the British Empire was first shown, I always thought, oh, people don't complain, you know, people are more relaxed back then. But if you did Carol and the baby situation in today's sitcoms, people would get offended. But it turns out I was quite surprised that in points of view, people equally as shocked back then of Carol's baby being trapped in the door as they perhaps would be today. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think the other question is, you know, wh why do you think that the show is so underrated in terms of British comedy discussion? That's hard to say, really. I suspect some of it is the BBC's disinterest in it. Mm. Notice how the DVD release was with Eureka video rather than their own chain. So like 2.4 children, except they actually managed to get the whole episodes out. Then it took a while for it to get on streaming. And even then, you can only get series one to five. It's not on BBC iPlayer. Uh, I mean, it isn't doesn't really hasn't aired on Gold in several years, and I know it had a one there on Drama at least and Forces TV, but it hasn't aired on Gold in years, and at least two point four children even must do that. Yeah. So I think that's major reason why. It's a good point because I think me and John's also spoke about how, with particularly UK Gold or Gold as it's now called, they seem to get into a habit of always showing the same sitcoms it's always only fools and horses or maybe dad's army and there's a lot of great sitcoms out there that never get repeated enough and i think britus is definitely one of those that just doesn't get that airtime or that support that it that it deserves yeah it doesn't really have that uh we never actually got gold in our household it's only been freeview same mm. so it wasn't like you could ever watch britus and what's your favorite aspect of the show that, that, that really drew you in uh, it's mainly British, mate, really, uh, Gordon British, because not only is he played by Chris Barry, but he's a very sympathetic character. Like, speaking as autistic, I actually sympathise with him because he has this dream. He's an, definitely an annoying get, but <laughs> he's a lovable annoying get. And there was a moment in the episode set in concrete where Laura's discussing with him the importance of... Uh, listening and i fell for him like i understood what he was going through plus on top of that it's the whole absurdity episode like 
aside from maybe curb your enthusiasm, have you ever known a show where the main character goes up to heaven and is brought back to life because he's just too annoying for it? Exactly. Britain did it first. British did it first. Oh, something else that I noticed, but I saw an article on the Independent, and apparently the show is being called Underway then as well. Yes, I've seen this one. It's um, it's from it's quite it's from like the early nineties. So it's good to have an article on there that actually give puts the case for this show being up there with you know really high quality even oh, when yeah. it was on because you know he says you know um was david little it starts with david little Liddymond, head of entertainment the bbc was recently on bite back extolling the virtues of bbc one comedies he rounded up the usual suspects absolutely fabulous one foot in the grave keeping up appearances only fools and horses birds for feather but why not the british empire um you know it, it's interesting because i think then he, and he goes on to sort of explain why it, it deserves you know credit but one of the things that he says in it, which is interesting, you know, he says that the, he, I don't think he's completely praising it to high heaven. He says the supporting players are poorly fleshed out. Um, and I don't know. I, I one of the things I like about the show, I don't know what you think, Louise, but I think that the supporting characters, considering it's a big cast, obviously, and there's only a few episodes compared to American shows, which can do mid season episodes based around one character of the sort of supporting players. I think the British supporting cast, when you do get to know them a little bit, and in, in, in drips and drabs they do they are very well fleshed out especially um colin i won't give away for anyone who's not seen there's an episode where in the future series which we'll, we'll review where his daughter comes to visit and i always think of that episode when you realize that actually a character like colin in other series would be quite a one-dimensional joke but in that he's given a lot of um depth what's your take on the supporting characters and how they're um, developed well, I largely agree with what you said. I'm just wondering if you might be talking about characters like Linda, who didn't really get much development during the first five. And it's only around series six and seven that he had to get a more defined character role. Like in series one, he's outright absent in two episodes. And sometimes you get the feeling that those one sort characters get more of a role than her. I think sometimes it's a bit of an, with that article, it's a bit of an unfair criticism saying all the characters aren't, aren't fully fleshed out. Because I think when you've got a show like Britis, where it's like there's such a big cast with so many different staff members and stuff, it would be impossible for the writers to flesh out every single character. And you do need those kind of smaller roles in a show like that. Otherwise, it wouldn't really work. It would take the focus away from Gordon Britis. And I do think you're right, um, Louise. I do agree that Linda's much more fleshed out in, for example, series six, when she's got the animal rights protest. I think the absence maybe of Julie St. John as Laura in series six and seven does mean there's a lot more script to go around to the other characters. So therefore you do get more fleshed out characters then, which perhaps did, did add smaller roles in the earlier series, because you're right in series one, Linda is pretty much invisible, isn't she? Oh yeah. I think one thing I will say about uh, series six and seven is that I don't particularly like them, but they do go on interesting paths of characters. Like, I'm particularly interested in what they do with Helen in series seven and hmm. how they keep her staying around the center. That's it's not the worst article I read. Like, uh, the Gar when the show was being considered to be revived, The Guardian did an article on reviving the show, and it was the most passive aggressive article I've ever seen. That's my Guardian app getting deleted if there's like enough Britters. <laughs> 
Basically, it talks about what other sitcoms could work, but it's like in the most depressing ways possible in a way that shows that they're just against the idea of the show being revived. Plus, I think it called it awkward, so... Well, it was in, it's interesting, um, the, the, this, uh, this list, because it's sort of, you know, um, he, he says here, perhaps it was too singular to ever become a national treasure since each episode tended to be an awkward mix of traditional farce, bleak character study and endless violent death. And yet that is probably what made the show stand out. And that's also what kind of made it work in a way. But I think what's interesting is, um, an article that you sent me the other week, Louise, and that I sent to you, Chris, today, which I wanted to just sort of um, speak about. It was in um, Esquire magazine. So it's from July 2021. And the headline doesn't quite explain what the specific element we're going to discuss, but it, the headline is sitcoms got less white, less male and funnier than ever. And that's talking about last five years. This 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 writer, Tom Nicholson, argues that because of things like more diversity within co- uh, writers, and uh, different um, styles that sitcoms are in a golden age. And the interesting thing is um, he talks a lot about uh, studio-based sitcoms, how, you know, they used to go for big laughs. um, You know, they were just sort of there to please the masses. And he has a a, a guy called Shane Allen, who's the current BBC head of comedy, uh, interviewed and then drips and drabs. And what he says is about some of the new output are more like indie films, wanted to go for those deeper dives into characters. So rather than having a sort of two-dimensional British Empire kind of guy who's just sort of uptight, they'd be more interested in the complexities and naturalistic kind of thing. Ooh, I can't accept that. Oh, me neither. I'm also reminded of a line in it where it said that uh, about how... It was one of stuff that's flat, I Bank. And it's yeah. about how sometimes the scripts don't even look like a comedy anymore. It looks more serious. Because I like Satellite's Flats. I saw the first two series and I think it's probably, I actually did think of Brutus when I watched it because it has, you know, he is sort of running this this company and um, he's got all these weird ca- sort of colleagues working with him. And uh, I think, didn't Pippa Hayward have a guest role on that as well? She did indeed, yes. Um, and I think what I found really interesting about it was it was quite, it, I found it very funny. I The thing about it is, about this opinion on studio sitcoms is, you know, I, I'm not going to put down people's opinions, you know, at the end of the day, comedy and and, and what we all enjoy is very subjective. You know, I can understand why some people might not like some studio sitcoms, especially American ones, because they do have the canned laughter. But what I find with this idea that shows like British Empire is not, you know, dimensional, you know, not more than two dimensional or lacking in depth. And and I think you could agree with me, Chris, that the way the show develops in just the second series and the conversations you have, they have, like what you mentioned before, Louise, about that conversation between Laura and Gordon in Set the Concrete, it's really grown up which i only recognize now as a sort of 28 year old it's more mature than most comedies you have around even now and and i don't know i i think people are missing that i think studio sitcoms have gotten a bit less sort of depth like that but british is a good example of one which could be a good example of how to make a good studio sitcom yeah i have to agree uh in fact there's a very uh there's a very good series four episode at the top, which really showcases the show's strengths alongside High Noon. Like, there's a whole speech about the unfairness of life and a whole conversation between Laura and Gordon, or British, that shows that he understands that his wife Helen is a troubled soul. 
and yet he cares for her. Yeah, and I think that's a good example of just how incorrect that article is because it just supports my idea that a lot of this that kind of belief that if it's a studio sitcom with a laughter track, it's somehow dumbed down or it's two-dimensional. But I just don't think that's true at all because especially with Britis, I mean, he is definitely not two-dimensional. And I wonder if that opinion has perhaps come about because they might have seen series six and seven. But I think between series one to five, Britis is anything but 2D. I mean, we see so much of Britis being dramatic, sad, happy, a range of emotions, a range of complexities in terms of his dreams, the contradictions in his character where he can be quite cruel at times. Mm. I think he is quite a fully rounded character, just like Helen Britis is. And we see so many different elements to their characters that he definitely isn't what people perceive him as on the surface, which is a, an irritating prat. He's, he's a lot more than that. And those examples in series four, obviously, when he gets the sack and in series two, when he's setting concrete, we see a fully fleshed out character who isn't just an irritating prat, who's got dreams and ambitions and, you know, thoughts as well. And I just think articles like that think because it's got a laughter track on, it's a 2D sitcom, which isn't true. And, and same goes for things like One Foot in the Grave. That's incredibly complex. And Victor Meldrew isn't just an irritating sod. He's a lot more, there's a lot more to him than that. I just think it's, it's a generalization, which just simply isn't true if they sit down and watch, you know, the right episodes really. Oh yeah. And something I was I've noticed recently. I went I'm on an, I went on a, a guest on another podcast um, last couple of weeks, a '90s and noughties, uh podcast uh, to the 2.4 children mainly. And one of the things that we talked about was how a lot of people, especially if they were growing up watching sitcoms in the '90s, might have watched shows like One Foot in the Grave and almost the more subversive elements and even the more sort of grown up pathos and 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 depth elements will have gone over the, the, their heads in a way and i think there's an argument that i would say that a lot of these shows are getting the kind of praise they should have gotten now i mean i think one foot was pretty praised at the time but i think you know with things like even one from the grave i think most people just remember it for victor meldry being a grumpy man i don't believe it catchphrase but i think with things like what you're doing with the Twitter and Instagram page, what the One From the Grave podcast does, what I've done with 2.4 Children. We're in a modern time now where we can enjoy these shows, but discuss them and actually praise them for what they were. Um, and, and I think as well, because of the 20-year gap of lesser good studio sitcoms that are pretty blandly made, these shows feel fresher and actually their, their strengths are even more obvious now. What, what do you think in terms of how they stand in modern context louise i think they actually stand pretty well uh first you sitcom i don't think it helps that right now it's basically a dying breed like the amount of studio sitcoms out there can be counted on one hand and yeah. of those a uh, couple of those uh are currently basically on hiatus i know red Wolf's one but and it might be coming back but we don't know when so there's Mrs. Brown's Boys, which is coming back for a limited miniseries. Upsar Crow, Crow, but nothing's really been heard of since 2020. And then there's Not Going Out, which finished the series very, very recently. So that's still going. But otherwise, there it really isn't anything. And I think as well with something like Mrs. Brown's Boys, I think perhaps the writer of the article would very much put Britus in the same camp as that. But I don't think it's fair to tar it with the same kind of brush. I think they perhaps see perhaps Gordon Britus as the same as they perhaps see Mrs. Brown's boys, which is more cartoony and two-dimensional. But actually, Britus 
they might think of that as on the surface as being like that, but watching the episodes, you do see the complexities of the characters. I mean, when we analyze in these episodes of the podcast, there's so much detail to the writing, which is there's not enough hours in in a day to go through them all, but it, it really isn't the two-dimensional sitcom that that article would make it out to be or lump it in with. They granted they are studio sitcoms, which are more kind of cartoonish and two-dimensional, but I don't think British Empire would ever be one of them if it's if it's watched properly and if, if they do actually watch, well, series one to five. Oh, yeah. Uh, I do not like series six and seven. Like, it's not abominable, but at the double in particular is my least favorite episode because it relies on everyone being stupid enough to think that Vlad is actually British or basically Vlad is a British doppelganger and everyone's stupid yeah. enough to really think that is the actual person. Yeah, we'll be going on to those um, quite a bit after Series 5. I think we're going to try and enjoy the first five series yeah. as, as the kind of definitive um, era of British. So, Louise, as a, as a big British fan, how would you are you finding the podcast? Are you enjoying it? I'm enjoying it very well. Uh, it's, uh, you're not the first uh, podcast to touch it. Like, Sip Repton Comodos are doing an uh, excellent series-by-series series, uh, perspective. Yes. They're on Steve did Series 5 a couple months back. So I'm looking forward to Series 6. Uh, so, yeah, your podcast is very nice. Uh, let me just put you, uh, not even I um, find the quiz easy. I think I, I could be blamed for the quiz. I, I, I do choose some pretty evil questions, to be honest. Yeah. I think I think one week, John, we'll, we'll flip the table, and I think you, you can get your own back and get some evil questions on me because, yeah, my British quiz listeners uh, send us all your results to britishempirepod at gmail dot com. But yeah, I think I'm quite a cruel quiz master when I'm telling you what colour is British's shirt and things. How many shoelaces does he have? It's almost the quiz that Britis would make himself. Oh yeah, speaking of, I've seen your uh, posts on Facebook. Uh, those in character posts on Britis, they're very good. Oh well, thank you. I'm glad you like them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're lots of fun to write. It get it keeps me it keeps me busy. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes keep myself busy by writing fanfic of the series, and it's great, isn't it? Oh yeah, you have to share some. You have to share some work that you've done, Louise. Oh yeah, I'll need to show you my uh, AO3 profile uh, soon. That sounds good to me. Plot plot lines you'd like to share briefly with us? Well, I'm trying to see if it's possible to. Try to imagine a fic where British and Laura actually got together. It's harder than it looks. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if she would actually go there in the end. It was hinted at, wasn't it, in the series? Yeah. The later series. What would you... Is an interesting question. If you if the series was to come back for a series eight, how would you bring it back, bear in mind how it ends? And obviously, spoiler alert, guys, but uh, if you're listening, but how would you start the Series 8, Episode 1? What, what would your plot be? Well, I suppose for one thing, you would need to recon out the ending of the series. So maybe have it that the ending was itself a dream. So yes. as for it, I think it would probably work better as a one-off special, so it was happened to the cast, because I can't. I imagine everyone's still working at the Leisure Centre several decades later. But it'd be nice to uh, touch on concepts that weren't exactly touched in the Christmas festival. Like, I was interested in what happened to Britis and Helen's children because they were not mentioned at all. So did twins follow in the footsteps of their father or did they... I hope not. <laughs> <their> mother. 
<laughs> God. <laughs> and mini Britus, it's terrifying, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I think you're right, though, because it would be unrealistic to think that all the staff would still be working at Leisure Centre after, like, 1997. You'd expect characters to have moved on to different career paths and stuff. I guess all ones, you, you probably could imagine Colin would be always working there. And I think you'd have to find some kind of excuse for Laura to come back. Maybe she splits up with her husband. I guess Gavin Gavin could be in a managerial capacity, he could be like the manager there. But I think Tim would very much be somebody who would just pop in as like a guest to visit Gavin, maybe, mm. rather than work at the centre still. I don't know. I will probably still be living at the centre and be keeping the grandchildren behind the drawers now. <laughs> yes. Maybe Ben or the twins would pop in from time to time as well. Maybe the twins grow up to be mini Britishes on the, by themselves. Yeah, that's a good point. And she's in EastEnders now, which I need to start watching again because I want to see Harriet Thorpe in EastEnders. <laughs> oh, me too. I uh, noticed. It's really weird though hearing having hearing her having such a, a different accent because she's she's a nice nice accent in British Empire, Mrs. And then in in EastEnders she's got like a Cockney accent, and it's like, wow, Carol, what's happened to you? <laughs> oh, same here. Do I think I don't think that's like her normal accent, uh, Harriet Thorpe. Oh, you know, that's the same for uh, Jill Greenacre, because I saw the interview that TV film podcast did with her, and her normal voice sounds nothing like Linda now. It's it's amazing what the cast look like now, because they all look exactly the same. Like, I look at Carol, Harriet Thorpe, and she looks exactly the same as she did in the British Empire. It's It just shows you Gordon British, you know, didn't add years on their lives after all. Oh, nah. <laughs> uh, give or take some white hairs or two. Yes, yeah. And I think Helen can be excused for having white hairs after... I wonder if she'd still be with Gordon Brittis after all these years. Do you think the pills would have made that relationship last and the affairs and stuff? Well, the Christmas special suggested that that would be the case. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Patience of a saint in many ways. Do you have a favourite character, Louise, of the series? Oh, well, the time between Brittis and Laura, because I said earlier on about how I sympathise with Brittis a lot with his poor social skills and his desire to do good in the world and his enthusiasm. But I also like Laura as well, because in series six and seven shows, she's a very vital part. She's, I've got a bit of a cross on her, actually, and <laughs> it's with her that you can see the better parts of British show up. Like, if he does a really good decision, you know that she had some hand in it. Like, uh, think of series five and Colin almost being fired. Yeah. Uh, she's the one who uh, tries to get some sense into him. Yeah, no, that, that's true. I think Laura is the one character which always sees the good in Brutus, particularly when he gets hypnotised in series four as well. She's one of those characters who always sort of, despite all his faults, she can always see that he means well. And I think that's why she gets so frustrated because it's like she says, he gets the values and everything right, but it's just the little things he gets wrong, like not understanding people. Did you... Do you think, um, so would you consider Britus to be somebody with Asperger's or with ADHD? Would you consider something like that, Louise, when you watch it? Is that something you would pick up on or would think of when you watch Gordon Britus? You know, I don't think it occurred to you that he might be uh, ADHD, but hmm. he always strikes me as someone of ASD because his social skills are very poor. Uh, he has a tendency to wiggle and make exaggerative uh, hand gestures. Like this. <laughs> like there's a conversation in uh, Blind Devotion where Laura is trying to convince Helen that he would be great for a job because it doesn't involve people. 
And, it's true, isn't it? Yeah. And he's very obsessed with his dream. Like, it's his number one goal. Yeah. So that's why I think he has it. Of course, Mal is made right on if uh, if he's a great portrayal, because he is still portrayed as annoyed in spite of a ball, but I still think uh, he's a very good example of a theoretical autistic character. What's your favourite episode? Uh, well, it's the last day, because uh, I think that was the episode that really properly hooked me onto the show, though I think... Uh, and Inspector Calls uh, did uh, some good groundwork for it because you've got the whole water tank and the nice moments of Chris sacrificing his life for Carol and then the whole heaven segment, which is rather funny because who knew he could like annoy uh, such divine figures. <laughs> I think Britus, even even in the end, heaven chucks him out. It's, it's just it's fantastic, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Even hell would probably took him out as well. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and do you have a favourite series, Louise, in particular? Well, for the longest time, I always felt Series 5, but I get soft spot for Series 4 recently because it's just got so many heavy hitters. Not yeah. a good day, uh, Nista Britta's changes trains, the top and high noon two-parter, Salary dance, etc., yeah, there's a lot of melancholy in series four, isn't there? With obviously Carol and losing the ring and stuff, and what you know, the guy chasing her but not thinking he's is turned up and stuff. And with Britus losing his job, it's another example really of going back to the article how it's it's a lot more than just it's not a two dimensional sitcom with two two dimensional characters. Here are characters like Britus and Carol. And they've all got ambitions, you know. They all want to. They've all got dreams in many ways that often get broken in Carol's case. And you know, the sad moments, the dramatic moments in Britus just kind of prove how three-dimensional the show is, if anything. And I think, you know what, with with sitcoms, I mean, the sitcoms like The Office are intelligent and I, I enjoy The Office as well. But I think the British Empire is also intelligent and clever and three-dimensional. And I think not necessarily just because you take away a laughter track, something becomes clever. And just because you add a laughter track, it doesn't mean something becomes stupid. And to be fair, a lot of the a lot of the laughter is obviously real anyway, which is another misconception that people think that it's can laughter. But there's a lot of audience people laughing quite loudly in the, in the British Empire, and they're not fake laughs for sure. Oh, yeah. The other thing as well about the article I said before, said it's in a golden age of comedy. And I have to say a lot of the shows in the last sort of 10 years have become much more sort of introspective. There's a lot more kind of serious things in them, emotional themes and sort of blending the idea of comedy and drama and stuff. And one of the things I would argue is some people just want to watch comedy for a laugh and to just sort of escape. And just because something's escapism doesn't mean there's no depth. I mean, a great example, I know it might not be everybody's cup of tea, but Friends, I love very much. But the thing about Friends, actually, when you get older watching it, you realise just how much depth it has in terms of about people in their life and about relationships and about family life and about jobs and, and and just growing up you know is i i think it's a good example you just because something might be considered in inverted commas fluff doesn't mean that it's it's in any way lackluster or, or lacking in depth if anything i'd say if something is escapist but also got depth like britus that is the best kind oh yeah i remember we usually i used to be very annoyed when i see the word escapist or fluff and I think you've hit the nail on why I uh, don't like that term very much perfectly, because 
I guess also suggesting that the show doesn't have any depth to it and stuff like that. I think as well, we should be able to, I think we live in the, kind of a sad time in a way with comedy where a laughter track is considered old fashioned and two dimensional, whereas sitcoms without the laughter track or with single cameras are often considered intelligent and modern. And it's a shame we can't live in a, in a position where we can have the two. So we can have a, a comedy that's a studio-based sitcom with a laughter track that's got depth like the British empire and also have shows like the office. We should be able to have two rather than thinking that one's old fashioned. This is the way it is. Now we can have them both at the same time. We don't have to choose between the two and it's fine for a show to be two dimensional. I mean, there's nothing wrong in that. There's nothing wrong with Mrs. Brown's boys, if that's how you want it to be. But I don't think, a laughter track equals old-fashioned or equals two-dimensional. Oh, yeah, great. I think I actually remember reading an Art Guardian article again, which went with the whole, if the show is has a laughter track, then it's unsophisticated. Uh, if it doesn't, it's smart. I think, um, I think two examples of sort of single-camera shows that I think have that kind of escape no sorry she's the escapist but that kind of enjoyment factor that you get from suicide comes of gavin and stacy and the in-betweeners you know yeah. i watch those shows and i i feel like i can just revisit them many many times and it's still very enjoyable I, as i say i think a lot of the shows that this article suggested like the best of sitcom i would say some of them are very good and very well written and very well made yeah but i'm not sure that a lot of them are shows i would watch again or certainly watch for a, a, a bit of light relief, which I'm not saying all comedy yeah. has to be, but I think there's, I definitely think there's a perception about producers and, and commissioners of what they, they have an idea of what they think the audience wants rather than what they actually want. I think the thing about um, this article is here, you know, the shows that are talking about things like Office, Kirby Enthusiasm, Green Wing, which um, Pippa Haywood's in as well, Thirsty Rock, Thick of It, Pulling. A lot of these shows you know some of them like the office is obviously very popular and so is um the royal family but a lot of them i do think the the shows that get the big ratings i think the mrs the mrs brown's boys um miranda only falls and horses and then the gavin and stacy special from a few years ago they are the shows that are quite um i wouldn't say broad because i think that's probably not the right word but shows that have something that has mass appeal a yeah. lot of the shows that they've listed, and a lot of the shows in the other article are listed, I would say are quite, not necessarily niche, but a bit too, you kind of watch them if you're in, if you, in, a, in the mood for them. I don't think they're shows that are going to get everybody watching. And, and like I say, some shows should be cult shows and, and have popularity even with a smaller audience, but the kind of big friends kind of audiences, you need to have something a bit broader, really. You know, not not every sitcom needs dramatic moments and serious moments. But I think I think my frustration has always been the British Empire has been branded as something that it's not, you know, because it, it's not. It, there's lots of two dimensional sitcoms out there, which isn't always a criticism. You know, it's fine to have those sitcoms. But British Empire was never a two dimensional sitcom. It's always had a lot more to it than that. And I think I always get I always get frustrated that it gets lumped in with a lot of sitcoms that are like that. As you say, it's definitely more uh, three-dimensional than uh, your usual sitcom. Yeah, it's. I think it's. It's always a difficult line to tread, isn't it? Where you kind of you're mainstream, but also clever. Yeah. You've got a character with a silly voice that's also a complex character. It's almost like on the surface you'd think, oh, it's just a silly, a silly guy doing an impression with a silly voice. But there's a lot more to it than that. But I think automatically. People will prejudge a show maybe because they've seen a couple of clips or they might have just seen, you know, half an episode of maybe a later series. 
but really if you sit down and actually watch it properly you get you get a full picture of something and i think in an age of streaming where people are scrolling on the phones and stuff it's quite easy to make a, a snap judgment of something based on very little evidence i suppose it doesn't help with britas that it doesn't even really show up on those compilation clips or commentary shows like for instance there's bbc studios has the a whole youtube channel dedicated to comedy clips but at no point has britas ever shown up there yeah. Like, I think 2.4 children may have shown up in one or two, but Britta's absolutely nothing. Although, I am reminded, uh, there's this Sony 2010s called Mongols. They actually spoofed Britta's ones, and I actually found it quite funny. Oh, love I've not seen that. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I did post the link on my account, so I'll need to share it at one point. I'm also somebody who um, collected a few TV guides from the '90s, Louise. It's uh, it's great fun collecting those, isn't it? But they're really oh, they're really expensive, though, aren't they? Like twenty pound each on eBay. Yeah, well, I actually only have the one Radio Times article. Uh, the newspaper ones, as I said earlier, that we got through a subscription to the British newspaper archives. I went through a phase of collecting the old TV guides. You know, the launch of Channel Five. I've got that with the open, colourful fly. I thought that was really interesting. And um, the the Easter Easter Sunday, nineteen ninety seven. And I've also got the the Radio Times of the Christmas. I collect a lot of Christmas special TV times because I was. I thought with those, my logic was, well, you can get loads of kind of your special episodes and collect a lot of synopsises for a lot of sitcoms that you like only one packet so there's like you've got birds of a feather british empire one foot in the grave all the christmas specials in those guides and i've got the one for the 1994 british empire christmas special and there's a nice little bit there about how british's um then girlfriend's parents was worried about meeting him because they were scared he's going to be, be just like gordon british oh my oh, i have to i need to have a look at that one because i've never seen it I'll have to send it. Yeah, there's basically it's British on a full page, and he's got tinsel around his clipboard, and it's from oh. 1994. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've definitely seen that photo. There's no one of him, uh, but he's wearing a Santa suit, and that was for the 1996 one. Louise, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you, and um, again, thank you so much for the for, for supporting us and promoting the podcast. Love to have you on again if you want to come on. Oh yeah, I'll be happy enough to at later point. Maybe we can uh, talk. Uh, over discuss a natural episode that'd be good De oh definitely that, i'd be up for that oh yeah have you got a form for that good oh i'll need to uh see look into it uh i'll need to figure <laughs> out how to get it done in triplicate for one thing <laughs> yes yes triplicate i had it into my receptionist excellent oh yeah <laughs> it's been fantastic and as always listeners i hope you're enjoying the podcast if you've got any suggestions of what you would like to see just uh, email us britishempirepod at gmail.com any thoughts or feelings of our opinions and what you think of what we've said today and in any of the episodes we'll be interested to hear what you think but yeah we hope you're enjoying the series one and we've got loads more episodes of the podcast as we continue to celebrate the show and chat about it with various amazing guests as well like louise uh what's your end just let everyone know what your instagram and twitter uh, page is the, the username uh, it's just a British fan, so the full name is the British Empire fan page, but the uh, has the uh, hashtag thingy is just British fan. Thank you very much, and thank you to everyone listening. Next week we begin the reviews of series two, and Mr. British is dead. Oh no! <laughs> thank you for listening, everyone. Speak to you next week. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>